Salima Hamarani and on today's Making Contact. So when I first came into the wellness program, I did not like the smudging. I did not like that they talked about ceremonies. So it did take me a while to open up to the court being so open towards my culture. Our friends at 70 Million take us to the Penobscot Nation, where a new court helps Native communities deal with their addiction without jail time. They said, you know what we want is we want a problem-solving court. And I said, great, what's a problem-solving court? And the chief kind of cocked an eyebrow and said, figure out what the problem is and solve it. And that has changed my life around the law significantly. The courts mix traditional healing methods with therapeutic interventions in order to deal with the trauma that underlies addiction for Native communities. And it seems to be working. Stay tuned. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Making Contact. Today, we're learning about a new way to deal with addiction in Native communities. Because jail is inexpensive and re-traumatizes individuals, it's often not an effective way to deal with a deeper cultural and mental health issue. So, the Penobscot Nation decided to try something else. Here's Mitzi Miller from the podcast 70 Million talking about the Healing to Wellness Courts. In Maine, over 9,000 people are Native Americans, with four federally recognized tribes in the state. The Penobscot Nation is determined to keep tribal families together, even as the community struggles with addiction. The nation also has exclusive jurisdiction over certain crimes that happen on their land, and that jurisdiction lets them respond to those crimes without jail. The Penobscot Reservation extends for miles alongside 15 towns and includes several islands in the Penobscot River. On Indian Island, a small community of about 570 people, there were 216 offenses involving drugs or alcohol between 2013 and 2016. Those numbers are one of the reasons the Penobscot Nation set up a separate court for tribal members dealing with addiction. They didn't want to keep jailing their own people who were struggling with substance abuse. Instead of punishment, there's positive reinforcement. In their court, there's a mix of Native culture, close supervision, and recovery backed by science. They're sending fewer people to jail and those who go through their Healing to Wellness court stay clean and sober longer. Reporter Lisa Bartfi has our story. It's 8 a.m. sharp on a Friday morning at the end of February, when the court session on Indian Island starts. The court hearing is held in a medium-sized room partly covered with wood paneling. The blonde wood and the art around the room make it feel less like a courthouse and more like a community center. Every seat is taken when Judge Eric Maynard asks Kristen Nicola to rise. We are on the record in the Penobscot Nation Healing to Wellness Court. We'll have you please rise. I want to talk to you a little bit more about how you're doing. So how are things going for you? Good. Yeah. How's school going? Good. Is it still yep. going well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fantastic to hear. No, I'm going to be taking creative writing. I'm taking English 101 this semester. Okay. 
Um, creative writing, what other things are you thinking about taking? Um, I'm signed up for anatomy and physiology, but that's two classes at Eastern Maine, and then um, calculus one and creative writing. Holy Christmas. That's just amazing. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Things going well with, with babies? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's doing good. Is it to go on well and all yeah. that? Yeah. Going back and forth? And... Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. And we've got you at 381 days. At 22, Kirsten's been clean and sober for 381 days, over a year. That's a huge personal victory, but it's also important for Judge Maynard. This is a drug court, and drug testing three times a week is part of their program. Judge Maynard sanctions those who've been in the program as long as Kirsten has if they don't test clean. Sometimes that means jail. Indian Island is a small island in the Penobscot River in Maine. And it's also part of the Penobscot Nation's Reservation. Kirsten's a member. I visit her at home on Indian Island a week after the drug court session. It is a beautiful house. Thank you. It's a beautiful house on a beautiful piece of land and... Your name is the same name as the street name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was my grandparents' house, and they named the street after our last name. During the day, Kirsten is studying to get into medical school. Well, I really want to be a psychiatrist. I don't think that my community has a very good grasp on mental health, and my ultimate goal is to have a program that's more focused on mental health and medications. The goal of becoming a psychiatrist and helping people with their mental health came out of an experience Kirsten had a couple years ago, shortly after she gave birth to her daughter. All of my mental health stuff, like it had been going on when I was pregnant. I was battling depression when I was pregnant, but it all came to a head like a month after she was born. And I ended up having to go to jail in the psychiatric hospital, so I didn't see her for a month. And then I was in court with my ex-husband, and it was felt that I wasn't stable enough to see her. So there was another three months that I didn't see her, and it was a really hard year of not having her all the time because it's definitely not how I pictured our life together. A lot has changed since then. Today, Kirsten is healthy and sober. She says she shares custody of her daughter. Life is calm and good. She made her way out of addiction with the help of a special court on the Penobscot Reservation. It's called the Healing to Wellness Court. It's a program for tribal members who end up in court and are struggling with substance abuse. And Kirsten says participating in their program has kept her out of jail. The Healing to Wellness Court sessions where I first meet Kirsten is different from other drug courts. It's easy to see that this is a native court. Proceedings start with a smudge and prayer. A big guy who's been half asleep until that point volunteers to smudge everyone. He lights the sage and carefully carries it around the room. He makes a brief stop in front of every person in the circle and lets the smoke waft over and around them. Rhonda DeConti is a court clerk and cultural advisor at the Penobscot Nations Court. 
She's Penobscot too. And she's the one who incorporated Penobscot tradition and ceremonies into the court's routines. So when I look at things, I look at it through an Indigenous lens. So as the deputy clerk, I'm the person who's recording the session, who's taking those notes, you know, and also watching everybody in the courtroom. So my first suggestion was, let's remove these tables. Like, why do we need to have them? Why can't we sit in a circle, you know, support each other and and come together? And, And I proposed that to Judge Maynard. And he's like, couldn't think of a reason why we needed to have the table. So we gave it a, a try and it's been a part of our, um, our session ever since, ever since then. Judge Eric Maynard presides over the Healing to Wellness Court. He's the only one who's not inside the circle. But I stay on the bench and wear the black robe because of the experience that, that our participants have had in, in court systems has typically been the person wearing the black robe is going to punish me. And they're going to say bad things to me. If a court system has done that, and then they need to hear when they've done something well, that court system needs to say, you've done really good here. Judge Maynard asks everyone something personal and specific about their life, like a job search or a move. It feels like people are talking with a nice but strict uncle. But it's actually a review hearing to assess if they're in compliance with their court orders. Kirsten talks to the judge. Then she offers support to a participant who's struggling with staying clean. Like, um, <laughs> I was thinking, like, I was drinking and using for, like, six years, and, like, pretty much that whole time I did not want to quit. So, like, if we just use that mindset for this, like, it probably would make it go by easier, too. So, like, I don't know. I think you're doing a really good job, and I'm happy to be here with you. And, yeah, just keep it up. <laughs> Judge Maynard is not a Penobscot tribal member, but he's been working for the tribe since 2008. When I first came here, the, the chief and council, um, they interviewed me and then, and then said, okay, one of the things we've seen is we've seen how the Anglo court works. Uh, $350 fine, next, $350 fine, next. They said, oh, that doesn't work here, and, and that's not what we want. And so they... Um, they said, you know what we want is we want a problem-solving court. And I said, great. What's a problem-solving court? The chief kind of cocked an eyebrow and said, figure out what the problem is and solve it. Um, and that has changed my life around the law significantly. For Judge Maynard, prison as punishment is not as appealing. He says the tribe pays a fee to the neighboring county to use their jail. And incarceration is expensive. I know what the cost is. The cost to put someone in jail for a year is about 35000 In To put someone in prison in Maine, they told me, was about 48000 The cheapest you can send anyone to jail is 28000 and that's in Alabama. Nobody wants to go to jail in Alabama. Our program, we run on about $7,500 a year per participant. So the, the economics driving the program argue strongly for diversion, the moral equation, as far as the program goes, argues even more strongly for diversion. What we see oftentimes, and and you hear a number of the participants talking about it, is how important 
their children are to them. And we're talking about helping parents work their way through recovery and changing a paradigm, uh, changing a paradigm not only for the parent, but for the child in the future. The tribal court has jurisdiction over misdemeanors that happen on their land that can earn a person up to a year in jail. Judge Maynard can still sentence someone to serve time, but people with substance abuse problems get the option to enroll in healing to wellness court instead. In the wellness court, the last time we sent someone to jail was over two years ago. We were fairly heavy in when we started, and it just wasn't effective. It led to more people dropping out. What happens now is we get some peer norming. As you see, we have some individuals who've been in the program a long time. Their periods of sobriety are significant. And it just becomes the norm within the wellness court that the expectation is that there will be sobriety. And it's rather than an enforced, it's peer norming. The healing to wellness courts are built on the idea that it's traumatic for someone to be arrested. It's the kind of experience that brings problems like substance use to the surface. When I was in jail, it kind of felt like that's where all of my inner turmoil and that's where all of my past trauma, that's where all of that malfunction in my life wanted me to be. And that's where I still would have been. When I ask her about that malfunction in her life, she mentions her parents. She doesn't know her dad, but she knows he's an alcoholic. And she describes her mom as very abusive. I have been raising my siblings. Um, my sister was born when I was eight. My brother was born when I was 11. And I really took responsibility of them when I was around 12. And along the way, I did get adoptive parents, and they are very good role models for parenting. Um, they're very excellent parents to me and my two brothers. Kirsten says she started drinking as a teenager. She also got in trouble with the law because of it. I threw a party at this house, actually, and I got charged with furnishing a place for minors to consume, even though I was also underage. But I understand that it was my house, so I did get in trouble for it. But I'm really grateful now that it happened, because if it hadn't happened, I'd probably still be doing it. In Maine, less than 1% of the population is Native. But among the incarcerated women, 5% are Native. There's not only an overrepresentation of Native American women in Maine's prison system. More Native American people die of opioid overdoses than any other group in the country. One in 11 Native Americans, or Alaska Natives, is living with a disease of substance use disorder. These two things, high numbers of addiction and incarceration, are part of why the Healing to Wellness Court started. Dr. Maria Yellowhorse Braveheart is an associate professor of psychiatry. She studies historical trauma and substance use disorders in Indigenous communities. Here she is talking to adjunct professor Tanya Greathouse at Smith College about it. So there are ways to heal from that, both traditionally in traditional culture, mm -hmm. but also incorporating what we know now about healing and alcoholism and trauma Absolutely. and PTSD and complex or grief, complicated grief or prolonged grief and yeah. all of this knowledge that we've gained over many years. The Healing to Wellness Court works with all of those pieces, behavioral therapy and traditional healing, to help participants through recovery and stay out of jail. I reached Chris Pacheco on the phone in another part of the country. 
far away from the snowy banks of the Penobscot River, near Albuquerque in the high desert. Chris is at her home on the Pueblo of Laguna Reservation. She's a licensed alcohol and drug abuse counselor and has been instrumental in setting up healing to wellness courts across the country. She says there are a lot of reasons so many women end up in similar situations. It's such a a multitude of issues, and there are so many theories among my fellow clinicians and, you know, people in academia about why Native communities are so hard hit. You know, you can go back to theories of our historical trauma. Chris's people, Pueblo of Laguna, are still where they've always been, on Native land now called New Mexico. But there's at least one historic legacy they have in common with the Penobscot, industrial pollution. For the Penobscot, it's been chemicals from paper mills running into the Penobscot River. The Penobscot can't continue with a traditional diet because the fish are too poisoned. Dr. Yellow Horse Braveheart says that not being able to practice one's traditional culture has big consequences. All cultures have wisdom in what they, their practices mm-hmm. are, have been, that fits with their culture. And right. so when you can't practice it in that way, that's one way of, of stunting the grief or trapping Absolutely. the grief. This grief that Dr. Yellow Horse Braveheart talks about goes deep. She traces it back to the history of removal and massacres in the 19th century. Being survivors of, of massacres, you know, like the Wounded Knee Massacre mm-hmm. and the mass graves where those ceremonies couldn't be performed at that time. Those are things that affect people and that this, the grief and the trauma just gets carried on and on. Researchers like Dr. Yellow Horse Braveheart theorize that historical trauma is associated with increased risk of substance abuse and the increased vulnerability to mental health disorders among Native American people today. Some of the generational traumas aren't even that far in the past. American boarding schools took Native American children from their parents as recently as the 1970s. That happened to Pueblo Laguna and Penobscot children. You know, and and these were not boarding schools to educate us. It was to make workers out of us, but also to teach us to be non-Native, to be part of the larger American society at that time. So what happened with that generation of individuals was that loss of culture, loss of identity, a complete loss. Chris thinks that those experiences of loss and family separation are still having an effect on Native Americans today. And so you get to individuals today who've gone through all of these years and all of this loss that, you know, it's this coping mechanism of trying to find something to make them feel better, Um, whether it be, you know, a substance, whether it be another form of an addiction, And those losses continue. Statistics show that proportionally more Native American children are in the foster care system than kids from other groups. And with few Native American families as foster parents, that's a new generation growing up away from their own culture. Family separation comes up in Healing to Wellness Court, too. In the courtroom in Maine, the morning I visit, one participant stands out. 
Everything's going well with my lawyer, with my kids. I'm hoping to hear of her court date soon. I'm hoping that, you know, I'll finally get to see my daughter other than video chat because it's just not enough. I, I would love to give my daughter a hug to spend time with her and my son as well. But like, I haven't seen my daughter in like three years, so. The Healing to Wellness Court can't rule on child protective cases. Participants hope that being enrolled in the Wellness Court shows that they're committed to staying clean and changing their ways, and that it will work in their favor when they go up to have their child protection cases heard. Being a parent dealing with substance abuse is hard, even for those who have their kids. Judge Maynard reprimands a young woman for missing recovery meetings. She's 31 days sober, and life is still a bit chaotic. Just, it's just, I just need that push, and it's just like, I'm hoping, like, by this weekend, I can kind of, like, settle things in my household down enough. And I think also, um, once we get that um, baby into some child care, it'll be easier for me as well. She's still in the early days of recovery, but she's already made a huge turnaround in just one month. Judge Maynard sees that she's trying hard, even if she's missing recovery meetings. Uh, for individuals that are, are in the throes of the disease, the world is chaos. And that's a tough place to be. A real tough place to be. And to be able to say, no, it's not chaos anymore. No. I don't have control of everything. None of us do. But be real proud of where you are. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate the insights that you shared today. A healing to wellness court is a drug court similar to the ones that were introduced in the late 1980s. But this one was creative with money from the Department of Justice for Native Americans to address that loss that researchers like Dr. Yellow Horse Braveheart and clinicians like Chris Pacheco identify in their communities. Like other drug courts, it approaches addiction as a disease that should be treated instead of punished. It's an alternative to a jail or prison sentence where people are assigning drug treatment and close supervision instead of serving time. There's a feeling about it that just feels very comforting and welcoming. And so I think that's what bringing culture into that healing to wellness court does. You know, even for some of our, our participants who may not have been fully immersed in their, their culture for whatever reason, maybe they've, they've grown up away from the community or they've been caught up in, in their addiction that they haven't reconnected to their culture. This is a safe place for them to reconnect to their culture. The Penobscot Nation has had a drug court since 1999, but it wasn't until years later that it really took shape as the culturally responsive court they have today. Rhonda DeConti has been involved in the wellness court since 2011. We've had a sweat lodge in the back of the courtroom since we moved to our new location. There's always a meal that I prepare and they're always welcomed. If, if they're not comfortable with going in, maybe they can help with some of the meal preparation, you know, sit at the fire and just kind of be engaged that way. Social workers, drug and alcohol abuse counselors, family counselors, and community elders working along with the judge, prosecutor, and public defender are all part of the Healing to Wellness Courts. Brianna Tipping is one of these experts. She's one of the non-Native members of the team, and she's the court's case manager and probation officer. She calls the people going through court participants, 
And she says they come in every two weeks. You know, we come in and talk about how they're doing, and then we have a review hearing in the courtroom so that they get to tell us how they're doing. And we get an opportunity for the whole group of not just participants, but the team members that are present to share, here's how we think you're doing, and, and give that encouragement. So it's building community, and it's using culture as a healing tool. Um, so it's not a typical review hearing. We're on the record and there are consequences that can you know, come out of that. You heard some people have community service that they have to do as a consequence for being out of compliance. A slim young man came to court and reported back on his community service. I helped Pat move into her new office. Uh, got some stuff for my apartment, just like, I don't know, it was like some Tupperware and some cups and stuff, but it was really nice. I didn't really like look at it as like community service. It was just like helping. You know, I think like the whole it being court order, though, just kind of gave me the push I needed to actually like go and do it. Typically, you know, we're we're looking at therapeutic responses to missteps as well. So if you're missing counseling appointments or if you're, you know, missing other pieces of your treatment plan, sometimes we'll give you a writing assignment, doing a goodbye letter to their addiction. That's a therapeutic tool that we use for reflection because that's a huge part of this process is kind of giving over some of that power for you living the way that you've lived for so long has brought you to working with us where we're asking you to try things a little bit differently. It took Kirsten Nicola a while to warm up to some of this stuff. So when I first came into the wellness program, I did not like the smudging. I did not like that they talked about ceremonies because they were not native. So when you grow up being subjected to racism, you kind of put up a shield around yourself. So it did take me a while to open up to the court being so open towards my culture. But now that I am, it's a lot easier for me to accept them. And it's also easier for me to relate to life outside of court. Now that I know that people are willing to accept my culture and to not be ignorant towards that part of me, it's easier for me to relate to people that are not Native. Kirsten shudders to think what would have happened without the healing to wellness court. I probably would have stayed in jail longer. I probably would not have gone to rehab. I was against rehab from the beginning. For some reason, I had this idea in my head that I didn't have a problem and that I could just face it on my own. I think that I've always been like that. And so if they hadn't fought for all the supports that they did, I probably would not be where I am today. I'd probably still be in active addiction. I probably would still be an abusive person And I might even be in jail still. The court has changed Judge Maynard, too. I tell everybody this is the best job I've ever had. I think far and away it's the best work that I've been able to be part of. And I am just a part of it. We have 15 different department members of our wellness court team that meet, give up their time to meet every other Wednesday to sit down and discuss the challenges that the individuals face. Yeah, it has changed my view of the law significantly. Back at that early morning courtroom session on Indian Island, Kirsten is standing up with her hands folded in front of her. She shifts her weight from one foot to the other when Judge Maynard and her case manager, Brianna, talk about her progress in the program. Your daughter has an amazing example of what a strong mama looks like, so I'm just really proud of you. Kirsten was about to enter the last phase of the program, called the sweetgrass phase when I last talked to her. 
In Sweetgrass, participants prepare for life after Wellness Court, how to stay clean and healthy, and how to be positive members of the community. What medicine do you bring? Rhonda wanted us to talk about that today. Uh, I don't know, I guess like helping people, like and my passion to help those less fortunate than me. You were just listening to 70 Million and their episode entitled A Special Court Keeping Native Americans Out of Jail. Thanks to their special reporter, Lisa Bartfai, and the whole 70 Million team, and that's it for today's show. To get a full list of credits and a link to a toolkit from 70 Million about the healing to wellness courts, visit us at radioproject.org. You can also visit us on Twitter and on Instagram, we're Making Contact Radio Project. The Making Contact team includes Sonia Green, Monica Lopez, Anita Johnson, Sabine Blazin, and I'm Salima Hamrani. Thanks for listening to Making Contact. Thank you.